If you are looking to continue developing your coaching skills or have a new coach that you'd like to train or onboard, check out our upcoming activity coaching clinics. We are hosting both our basics and advanced clinics every Monday for our basics clinic and Tuesday for our advanced clinic from 1.30 to 3 Central Standard Time. It runs October 2nd through November 6th, and you can learn more and register at heatherpriceconsulting.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Activity Coaching Conversations with Heather and Sabina, where we discuss coaching strategies for the overachievers, the slow starters, and everyone in between. We're going to share everything we know about instilling early success habits, the science behind activity, and how to build a values-based, FR-centered coaching philosophy. Activity Coaching Conversations is all about balancing accountability with the art and science of coaching. Hello, listeners. Welcome back, and thanks for joining us. We are trying something new today. We are doing our first of hopefully many to come Coaches Spotlight. Sabina and I thought it would be fun to highlight some of the amazing activity coaches from across the country, along with their stories, their challenges, ideas, and other fun information. I've talked to a good number of coaches and listeners already, and they seem as excited as we are. So here we go. Uh, I'd like to introduce you to our guest coach today, Madison Wilcox. Hi, Madison. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Of course, we're excited to have you. We're excited you're here. Yeah. I'm honored. (laughs) Well, let's do a little intro just to kind of officially get things rolling before we dive into questions. Having grown up in a Northwestern Mutual family in upstate New York, Madison officially joined Northwestern Mutual Boston in June of 2017 as a member of their financial planning department, where she started as an associate and worked her way up to director. Her current role is uh, multifaceted as she's in a leadership development rotational role, which is so interesting and fascinating, that gives her exposure to varying positions every 6 to 12 months. Uh, Madison's latest rotation is as the Network Office's Director of Training and Development, where she supports advisors from yes to year one. I love that. Yes to year one. She is actively activity coaching 15 new advisors at this time. She considers herself a lifelong learner and since joining has obtained five designations and is fully NIMIS registered as an associate wealth management advisor. Madison also loves connecting teams with support staff and is very passionate around sourcing from her undergraduate alma mater, St. Lawrence University. Outside of the office, Madison can be found at a workout class, which I know to be true because you post them. (laughs) I love your updates on Instagram or enjoying amazing food in Boston's North End with her family or fiancé, Evan. And I think I first really got to know Madison last year at my Beyond the Basics or Early Productivity workshop that we had in Chicago, and I'm so grateful that I did. I was immediately impressed, Madison, with your wealth of knowledge, but mostly with your passion for this company and for helping FR succeed. It was just so obvious by your engagement. Um, Yeah, just super impressed by that. So thanks for being our first Coaches Spotlight. Oh my gosh, like I said, I'm so, so honored. And hearing the introduction makes me realize how much activity coaching has changed over the years, like the quality of people who are coaching. So it's, I'm just super excited about that as well. You're like representative of the new face of activity coaching. 
<laughs> no, thank you. It's awesome that you saw too, Heather, that I was so passionate because that is like my number one value whenever I talk to new reps about activity coaching and we share our values. That's my <laughs> most one is passion. So I'm glad that that's exuded to other people. But yes, I am super, super excited to be here. You guys are both like activity coaching celebrities to me. I've heard both of your voices in my ears for like <laughs> several months. So I, I'm so honored that you guys chose me as one of your first coaches. Oh, well, way to live by your values. Like we said, we're all about values-based coaching. So when, yes. what did Lyle Marinak say? Our behaviors are our values made public. And clearly your passion is showing through. So cheers to that. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, let's start with a little bit of background. How did you find your way to activity coaching and how long have you been coaching? Yes. So it's actually funny that you also said that at the Beyond the Basics, you thought I was, <laughs> I had a breadth of knowledge because I felt completely like I was I needed so much help. So I got so much out of that clinic, but I was very actually new to activity coaching at that point. It had only been a couple months. I started in January. So as you mentioned, that leadership rotational program that I'm a part of right now is one that my managing partner is kind of co-creating with me. But honestly, my very first interview, I said something about how my dad was a managing director growing up and I really loved watching him coach reps and seeing him develop them and also be able to have his own practice. And I said, I know I'm not trying to be an advisor right now. I'm not in the production space, but I do think I would really love to shine in that other coaching and development space. And I know that some people are becoming more non-producing MDs and running their own shops. So I was like, I'd love to think about that someday, literally way back five or six years ago when I interviewed. And he brought that up actually at the end of last year during my review. And he's like, remember how you said this during my interview, which is also just so awesome, such a testament to him for remembering that from an interview five years prior. But I said, yes, I do. And he said, I've actually been thinking, let's come up with this rotational role where you either find something you love along the way, or you have exposure to enough opportunities within the firm to be able to run your own shop at the end. So my first stop of that was with two newer districts that had new leaders. So I was helping them with their new rep development, kind of any new reps, not just under ones like I'm working with now, but I did all of their activity coaching and I did just one-on-one -on -one developments. I helped them with Monday morning meeting, just really helping them get their development framework again from when a rep says yes through their whole time there. So I started with that and that was in January. And then as of September, we liked some of the stuff that we were doing with those districts and we wanted to also give some exposure to that to the network. So I shifted back to the network side and that's my second rotation is more of a director of training, zero to 12, yes to one year right now. What a great approach to development. And Sabina and I have even done an episode on career paths for activity coaches, but I love that this was one of the stops on your career path, right? I mean, you, you have all these different opportunities to try uh, an assortment and variety of roles. I just think what a great way to learn and continue to grow yourself and what a great asset you'll be for the office having exposure to all of the different responsibilities. Really cool. And I think honestly, the activity coaching has been so important. I don't think if I, if I didn't do that early on, I feel like I'd be so much more confused on the other things. I think it's just such like a critical component of a new advisor's practice and even a career advisor. It's like actually fun to just see other people that are not brand new reps and ask them some of these same questions that I'm asking the new reps. It's cool to feel like you kind of have the, have the in on what they're, what they're doing every day. I think Sabine and I would agree with you on that. <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about Indeed. what you love yes. about activity coaching. 
What's really funny, when I saw this question ahead of time, because I am a huge preparer, I need to prepare, I actually prepare very heavily for my activity (laughs) coaching meetings. But when I saw this question, I was like, thank God she didn't ask me this uh, at Beyond the Basics, because I was crying most days doing activity coaching (laughs) at that point. I, first of all, didn't feel like I knew enough to really kind of have good feedback or advice. And I am such a fixer. So I like to like help people, but I also have realized a lot through both of your coaching and honestly, even just listening to this podcast, the importance of questions and not having all the answers is okay. But honestly, I was, I was in a dark, dark place early in the beginning of this year. So I'll get into what I love, but I do think it's good to show perspective on, um, I literally was on a call with that MD and GDD that I was supporting directly. And I was like, I'm so sorry, but I have to go. I have activity coaching and I had tears in my eyes and they were like, what's your problem? And I'm like, it's really hard. Cause I just like, at the time we didn't have any sort of expectations. So we didn't have a Granum culture. We didn't have any sort of buy-in on the stuff that I was trying to coach to. So it was hard for me when I was saying like, these are the numbers and this is what we should be doing. And it was just like, Eh, nobody else is telling me this, so it's fine. So I think it was, um, again, they were newer leaders and we finally sat down and actually as a network, we ended up doing it network wide, which has just helped me immensely, especially in this new transition. But we all got in alignment on what our expectations were. So even if we're not going to follow strictly Granum, I think we do 20 facts instead of 25. That's really the only difference that we have, I feel like, in our office. If we're not going to be 100% all in on Granum stuff, we need to come up with what our non-negotiables are as an office and get alignment on that. So it makes it easier for everybody to have the same expectations from when someone's in interview process, through the first activity coaching meeting, throughout training, through mentor meetings. So we got that alignment and that was honestly the biggest thing. And since doing that, the biggest uh, thing I think that has helped me in loving activity coaching and really, really becoming a freak and obsessed with it is the having expectations to flip full time. So around August, we came up with as an office, we are only going to flip people full time coming out of training if they have enough meetings on their calendar. So we want to get them to at least 25, preferably 25 and 11, enough names on their market identifier. So 200, ideally 300 plus, and there's bonuses tied to this. We want them to have a certain amount of case open. So we say anywhere from six to 10. So they'll have to have seen some joint work facts in training and before that they can flip. And they also, we want to have them have some business ready to submit, even if that's themselves. So once we started doing that, that just made my first activity coaching meetings with them so, so much better because they'd already been there with some of the things that I was going to have to try to coach them to get to. So they'd been to the 25 and 11. It wasn't like they were coming out of training and had only ever had two meetings on in a week before. So getting them to kind of own that this was a thing that they kind of have to earn this full-time contract, just kind of got rid of some of the people that I might've had to coach for seven months. Otherwise, if we didn't kind of part ways in the interview process, we've actually helped some reps get on some teams that actually it just wasn't probably going to be the right fit for them anyway. So we've caught that sooner, but that was the biggest thing for me that really helped me be able to start to see some high activity beyond the one girl, the one poor girl who actually was awesome. Thank God I had her early on, but she was my only high activity person. So she was (laughs) funny enough crying on her activity coaching meeting right after I got off that call that I was crying. And she was crying because she was overwhelmed that she was doing all these good things. And it was perfect for me because I just got to cry with her. I was like, yeah. She's like, why are you crying? I was like, I don't know. Why are you crying? You're telling me you just kept 20 meetings, but okay. So anyway, now my absolute favorite thing about activity coaching is just 
being able to help advisors understand and see their true potential when they put the effort in. My favorite thing is getting that text after after they do something that they said they were going to do and they're proud of it. So it's just so, so cool when you can help someone accomplish something and also when you can help break it down to a point that they might not have been able to otherwise. So for example, this Daniel Owen uh, woman who's Again, my first like activity coaching person who was really, really doing it and really helped me. We were able to break down her goals into if she asked twice a day, she'd hit her new client goal that she wanted to hit. And that was her only focus she needed to do. And that light bulb moment was just so awesome for both of us to see. And it just got so much hype behind her saying, got my ass, I got four today. And it was just, it's just so fun when you get people also passionate about putting in effort to building their business. Yeah, I could definitely see how it's more fun and more enjoyable and how you could love it when people are doing well, right? Um, That just makes sense. And it's easy to love your work when you have a healthy, high-activity culture. So I think it says a lot about the importance of what you're recruiting an activity coach into and how you're supporting them. Uh, I have a client that I was working with, and they weren't doing 2511 ahead. And the activity coach was doing a great job, but I had made the suggestion you know, that they start incenting 2511 ahead and not turn on contracts. And literally the first month after they did that, so many people were 2511 ahead. The activity coach was like, oh my gosh, this is so much more fun. It's <laughs> um, so much better. That's and, my favorite one. 25, right? every time I see 25 and 11, I'm like, it's going to be a good week. Right. We because we got so much we can do. Yeah. I mean, they're starting strong out of the gates. It's not like you have to pull them out from the depths of, you know, terribleness, but in order to get them started, they're already up and running. So um, I could see how it's just much easier to love what you do when obviously they're successful and get off to a great start. So, so what's the reverse side of that? That was a little bit about what you love about activity coaching. What are some of your greatest activity coaching challenges? I will say biggest opportunity I'm working on right now is making sure I'm not just telling and giving all the advice and asking as many questions as I can to help them come to the conclusions. I can say, again, listening to the podcast, my favorite stuff that you do is the role play because all of those questions, I'm like, that's such a good one for the next time I get that. And just helping someone come to their own conclusion because I'm in that study group that Heather Price, um, I call you Heather Price for your first elasticity to me for some reason. What the activity coaching um, study group that you have is also so helpful. And we talked about asking good questions last time. And it is just so true that you really don't buy into something until it's almost your own idea. Like obviously some people are super coachable and they want some tips, but I'm trying to work on getting better at not just always providing solutions and continuing to help them come to that solution. Sometimes I just want to be like, wait, but if you do this, it's going to work. But it is so, so true that the times that they've come to the conclusions themselves is actually when they'll really own and embrace that activity and effort. One other thing I would say was a challenge and continues to be a challenge, but I've been really working on it is, and this is like that perfectionist weakness question, which is stupid, but I really do care too much sometimes. And that's probably one of the biggest things that I had to learn early on was that the numbers are the numbers for retention. Like I can't fix everyone coming into activity coaching. I think I had unrealistic expectations that I was going to be able to save the whole office and have everybody be P40 and everything because they were coaching with me. And that's just simply not the case. If it was, I would probably be in a CEO seat at this point. But I just had to realize that like, I can care a ton about everybody, but I can't take it home with me and take it so personally. That is exhausting when you get to that level. Exhausting. That's also why I was crying. I was like, I can't fix this person. This person quit to me three minutes ago. Every time I would like just have the MDs 
uh, calendar up as I was in activity coaching because it was like back to back. I felt like everyone was quitting in my activity coaching meetings. And luckily I haven't had that in a while, but it was just like, holy crap. All right. Yep. We're getting you on with him in 10 minutes and yeah. <laughs> I got to go to my next one. And I would say that is a, you know, a challenge for a lot of activity coaches is just keeping up their energy level through the ups and downs and not getting so attached. And it can be really draining if you don't manage it. What do you do to continue to sharpen your saw or hone, hone your craft and, and stay great at what you do? All the stuff related to Heather and Sabina, obsessed with, I always attend those. I also have really gotten really close to some people that are in the development world that I've been lucky enough to meet through things like those study groups. But there is even just like a director of training <laughs> group email that people send things out to. And I've been able to ask, like, can I shadow someone's meetings? What do you guys do for this? The actual expectations that our office came up with was actually stolen from some of the people that I ended up meeting with across the country from some of these study groups. Morgan Channing, shout out to you for your expectations and alignment document really <laughs> helping us. But regardless, I have met with so many people and done that sort of thing. I also have a coach that our managing partner um, hired for me. Her name is Jess Real, and she helps me a lot as well. She's a strategy coach, but she's really into accountability and expectations, and she's an outside party. So it's actually really cool to see her just talk about keeping your commitments. She always talks about the clause of life, which is really just like keeping your agreements, limiting how many you make, anchoring those agreements and getting agreement that you're both in alignment, writing it down. And then if something changes, let the people know. But she's been really helpful in grounding me. She actually helped me come up with this thing called a gut checker, which was helping with my care factor before. But she just basically said like the numbers are the numbers. Not everyone is going to make it. I know Sabina has said, like, if you can make someone better off for having been with you, that's really what your goal is. So she helps me have this little gut checker. She's like, anytime you feel like you're caring way too much and you're caring way more than the person who actually needs to care the most, just write down a little date that you've had that feeling. You can remove it. I've actually moved, removed it one time. I've removed the date, which was such a good, like, hopeful feeling. I was like, wow, someone can kind of come back around from this moment. But it really helps keep me grounded knowing that actually from that original gut checker that I started back in January, some of those people have worked their way out and are in better, happier careers for themselves. So having that sort of reliability. And then my last one, I would say um, my cousin, Sarah Ward, I have to thank her too, because I have given her plenty of calls over and over like, hey, what do you do for this? If this person's not doing their dials, how should I get them to do it without telling them what to do? And she gives me all these good tips. So I have a lot of phone of friends and we're just lucky in the system that we have so many other people doing the same thing that we can phone so many friends. Yeah, there, there's a lot of truth to that. There is, I mean, such a great network of amazing people across the country that, that we can reach out to. And I'm so glad that you're taking advantage of the study groups and the resources that are out there. And the fact that you have a coach, I think everybody really should have a coach, even if it's not so activity coaching specific. I mean, just development related in general. And it yes. shows, it shows that you are always sharpening your saw. Obviously, we've um, picked you because we know that you're doing a great job and um, it, it shows that you care. So. All right. Number one coaching skill or coaching strength that you have? Again, same kind of as my weakness. I do care a lot and I'm super passionate about helping people, but I know one of the coaching hats is to also be the cheerleader. That's my favorite hat to wear. I still obviously have had to work a ton on being the truth teller. And I think that's been my biggest improvement. And actually, again, Jess has helped me a ton with the truth telling and even 
really calling things out when I see them to the MD plus the rep, like just really getting alignment with that. But I always tell people I'm their like ultimate hype girl. If they're good, I'm great. Like I really will be there cheering them on by their side. And I am so obsessed when they put the effort in. It's just like chef's kiss. It's my favorite. I love it. I think you said you're the ultimate hype girl. And I would agree with that. Yes. Your energy is contagious for sure. I love your energy. Anything your office does that you feel is unique in the activity coaching space? Yes. So we actually, I stole this again from some people um, in Park Ave, Anika and Veronica, but we send out weekly activity coaching recaps. I think that's pretty different than some of the other people that I've seen and maybe some other people do it in different ways. But our office, when we got that alignment, we decided we really wanted to hone in on what we called the core four, which was a winning day could be one that you had four cues, three kept, two new fact finders booked, and you keep one fact. So if we're always striving to get to that point, that's kind of like our optimal place to be to embrace Granum and embrace um, building a successful practice. So with those ACE recaps, I have this little tracker that's like, how did this person do related to the core four on the week? Are we red, yellow, green for whatever it is. And then I also give them just some like highlights, some things to watch out for. This is all the leaders, their mentors, their managing partner. And I actually also CC on individual recaps, uh, the rep as well to say like, this is the stuff we talked about. These were the commitments that you made. So I do think it helps us stay in alignment because they know what I'm saying to their bosses basically as well. And they know I'm listening to them. So we have that every week. And then I do sometimes send it as like a voice memo. I try to mix it up because I know some people don't want to read my very long-winded emails, but the chart itself is good. Um, I just have to get more concise because I have a lot to say. I love though that you're including the FR on it. I know a lot of people communicate together as a leadership team, but there is that extra layer of accountability and transparency really by including the FR. So that's a great idea. Yes. Yeah. I think it's been helpful. And I think like then their mentors use that in their next one-on-one to talk about different coaching strategies. And I think that we really do work well as a cohesive unit, even though I'm now no longer a part of their weekly development calls, they just have this recap or voice memo. It's still able to get kind of the same point across that I need to. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, Best piece of advice for activity coaching that you have ever received or that you would like to share with the listeners? Um, I would say, I already said a little bit of it, but just if you can make someone better off than when they first met you, that's still a win. So don't beat yourself up if you can't make everybody uh, (laughs) pace their 40 seconds 60. And then also, again, just to tell the truth, I have experienced times when I felt like I kind of held back because I, not because I wanted to, but probably more so I didn't feel confident that I actually understood what I was seeing. It was almost like the see something, say something, but I was like, do I actually see something? I'm so new at this. I didn't really trust myself with it yet. So definitely tell the truth. And as an activity coach, get really, really good at knowing those numbers so that you can feel better about telling the truth faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like to see something, say something. I always say, if you feel it, ask it. And on Tuesday, actually, so I've been coaching this newer advisor. He's about a month in and it's such a silly little thing, but he has two screen set up. And when we meet, he's looking at the other screen. So he's never looking at me. And it kind of, like, I know he's probably looking at me in the video, but we're not making eye contact. And on Tuesday, I thought that's kind of, I wonder if he's meeting with his clients like that, because from a relationship standpoint, it it just doesn't feel respectful. Like he's not, we're not 
connecting. And I didn't say anything. And so I today I thought, oh, I don't know why I don't just say something. I, and I thought, oh, it just seems so nitpicky. Why bother? I don't want to be, you know, that's so small in the grand scheme of things. I'm like, no, I felt it. I need to say something. And so I love that that's one of your pieces of advice because I try to live by that myself. All right. So one of the uh, questions that we want to ask or one of the, you know, sections that we're going to have in our coaches spotlight is an opportunity for you to ask Sabina and I anything. So what question do you have for the two of us? Okay. I have a few questions. I added a couple since I last (laughs) (laughs) Bring it on. Okay. So this is a loaded one, but if you had to pick one or two, what's your favorite activity coaching question to ask? (laughs) So I... I feel like mine change. I go in waves, if that makes sense. I mean, you know, I'll like find a couple new good ones and I'll be like, oh, these are good. And then I'll use that for a while. And then I kind of get bored with it. And then I find a new question. Right now I'm into, is that the truth or is that a story you're telling yourself? Mm -hmm. I think people say what they think is the truth. They think it's the real situation, but really it's just a lie they're telling themselves to make themselves feel better. So asking them, is that the truth or is that a story you're telling yourself? That's one that I've been asking a lot. Also kind of along the line, they're they're sort of similar, but how honest are you being with yourself and with others? Mm -hmm. Love that. And then from an accountability standpoint right now, I'm into, have you decided to take action or are you just hoping you will? Have you decided to take action or are you just hoping you will? Some of those Madison actually came off in our study or our um, study group. I think it was last month, not this month. But I was like, I saw this on the sheet. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was helpful for me. Um, We we had a list of 100 coaching questions and it was, I had had that list for forever and I just revisited it and I was like, oh, I need to get back to asking some of these questions. So I think that's why I'm into those right now. So good. Christina, how about you? So my, one of my favorites is, especially if people are for accountability purposes, if people haven't met their daily commitment or their goal is at what point in the day did you decide you weren't going to do that? Because it flushes out whether it was intentional or they just forgot about it, which leads to another whole set of questions about, was that important to you? Because a lot of times, you know, reps just go with the flow. They know what you want to hear and they know what they're supposed to say. I also will ask, I mean, I always ask, I ask a lot, how do you feel about that? Because that, it's just an easy question. All right, Madison, what else do you have for us? Okay. I want to know from your perspective, what's helped you most in getting your reps to embrace Granum or particular metrics? My favorite one, again, the 25 ahead. I have finally gotten some people to this point, but I don't think it's from anything I've done. So <laughs> like, if you've got a trick, I want to hear it. Mm, that's good. Because what I do when I'm talking to people about being ahead is I break it down into smaller numbers. Mm -hmm. I say, okay, let's think about how many new people, how many closing attempts, how many prospecting appointments. And and if you can break it into a series of smaller increments, it seems easier to do. You know, like you can make yourself a little chart, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You know, I need to have, Mm -hmm. I know I need to book 10 facts to keep five. So people like to fill in slots right? True. Like nobody likes to leave a slot blank. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I think breaking it down because I mean, somebody could come in with 25 prospecting appointments and that's not great, right? Because right. there's, you've got to have the right balance. So I'm always mm-hmm. talking about making sure you've got all buckets on the sales cycle moving at the same time every Love week. Love that. I'm such a big question asker. I don't know how motivating it is, but I use questions to challenge, to motivate, to influence, yada, yada. So I probably, in terms of like the 25 ahead, 
I like to focus on how it's going to feel when they get there, helping them kind of imagine and envision. So I will ask them, how would it feel for you to be 25 ahead? What will your business look like if you were Mm -hmm. 25 ahead? So just asking them questions to get them excited about how things will look and feel when they get there. The other thing, too, is I think a lot about efficiency. People hate dialing most people anyway. And nobody really wants to make 40 dials. And I'm really clear with people, like if you get to 25 ahead, I don't care how many dials you make in a day, just keep your calendar full. And so sometimes I use the like not having to dial 40 as a, like, not that that's a habit you want them to get into, but if they're efficient and their calendar is 25 ahead, they might not have to dial 40 a day to stay 25 ahead. So I'll even kind of use that as like a little carrot to dangle in front of them. Such a good point. I think um, it was actually funny. I just started activity coaching a rep who went, uh, was a rep for six months, became a recruiter, needed a little bit more of a salary. And then she went back into being a rep, just realized like she really thought she could do it. She was recruiting reps and she's like, wait, I actually can just do this. I'm going to do it. And this time around activity coaching her, I'm activity coaching her. And she was like, so this is the thing. I really don't want to focus on like dials. Like I just want to focus on number of meetings on my calendar. And I was like, that's fine. As long as you've got the number of meetings, I am set with that. She's like, oh, you're cool with it? I was like, yeah, I'm a cool coach. Uh, No, (laughs) I literally was like, it's fine. But it is so true. If they can get to that result, it's, we're giving them the tips that help them with the data that we have to say that this is what could help you get there. But if you can do it better than that, then go for it. And then one other thing, I just got a text today from one of the reps I've been coaching for a while. And he was like, hey, uh, just want to let you know, I think I just got to like 25 and 15 for next week. So I just have to send your Friday off with that. And I was like, you know how much that speaks to me. The 25 and 15 is great. One other question I had, actually two more. How do you incorporate Paysetter into your coaching? I came from, again, that planning department background. So I feel like I tend to over-rotate to things like application logistics. And then I'm like, shoot, the meeting's up and I need to get back to activity. So how, from an activity perspective, do you help coach reps to Paysetter? That is a great question. You know, I feel like recently, and by recently, maybe like the last year or so, since offices have incorporated EPV and different incentives, I feel like the time periods in which we're coaching or the benchmarks in which we're coaching to have become more short term. And not that that's Mm -hmm. bad, but I think we lose, we've lost the big picture. And by big picture, I don't necessarily mean pay setter first 40, but a hundred lives. So really focusing on the first year and focusing on 300 fact finders versus pay setter. And not that I don't talk about pay setter, I definitely do, but just keeping the big picture in mind for them of what, what they're building towards overall. Sabina, how about you? And I agree 100% because I teach all the time, focus on the, the end keep the end in mind, right? Like begin with the end in mind. The end is a hundred lives in the first year because that retention is over 70%. Mm -hmm. And that's the deal. So you want pay setter to be a part of that, but you have to, I think, put it in perspective. Um, I always tell people, if you can submit 45 to 50 applications in your first six months, you're going to have enough to be a pay setter. And you're going to have some that, that spill over into that seventh month and are going to help you get to a hundred. Love that. Because again, we yeah. have the statistics around that, right? Like, yeah, 12% of people become pay setters, like 10% become second 60s. So we want to get more second 60s because that's retention gold right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great way to phrase it. I agree with the EPV. I feel like that's kind of taken over as far as what gets focused on. And I also feel like right now with EPV, it's been a little bit harder if 
we don't coach EPV, we coach to double, but even so 20 new clients, it's sometimes, unless they're doing really integrated planning, a little bit harder to get them to P40 or second 60. So I really want to have a P40 soon, but I guess it's only been 11 months. So I got to give myself <laughs> some time. <laughs> Last one. Do you have a favorite comeback story? I know I mentioned I had someone who you lost do. their yes, date <laughs> on the gut checker. So favorite comeback story, meaning like a rep that has, that you thought wasn't going to make it and then they did? Yes. Yes. Mm. Mm. Sabina, do you have one off the top of your head? I'm trying to think if I have a great comeback. I'm going to have to say no to that one because I, <laughs> I don't, I do not, I do not have a comeback story. I have a slow start story. I mean, not the yeah, story that could necessarily, be but I have somebody, actually I do have a couple of slow start stories, but not somebody who was so far behind the eight ball that they then came back because that's, I, I wish I did. You know, I wish mm-hmm. that was because that would everybody loves the great comeback story. But right. this is a this is more of the tortoise than the hare. You know, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. slow and steady. I mean, yes, yeah. Heather, what about you? No, it's it's interesting that you say that because we preach to the fact that, and and the statistics and numbers tell us that this, you know, the start they get off to and the habits they create in those first six months are usually what stick with them. So I don't know too many people that like have a terrible start and end up being a rock star. And I guess that's a good thing in a way. Having said that, similar to Sabina, I can think of two people actually where I was very questionable, like, I don't know that they're going to make it. And it wasn't that they were horrible, but they just were kind of, I felt like they were always just hanging on. Um, and now I look at them and they're three years in the business and they're doing pretty well. I mean, they're not rock stars, but they're still here. And I'm kind of like, good for them. You know, a little bit surprised. I do have, and I will say it might not be the best example because it's still kind of questionable, but I had somebody start recently, probably about two months ago. And literally this is like, I'm not proud to admit this. this is probably a bad trait of a coach, but I'm also human I'm, and I'm transparent and I'm <laughs> vulnerable. So here we go. Um, like literally the first week or two, I was going, why am I even coaching this person? Like this is such a waste of time. He's not listening. He's not, he's not going to make it. Um, we are two months in and I'm still biting my nails and still hitting my head and still like, what are we, but getting a lot better. Like I'm seeing improvements and I'm like, okay, they're, you know, maybe it's just a slow start. Maybe they're really, sometimes people, it just, they have to hear things a lot of times and it takes a while. So you just never know, right? You really don't. I think the one that I had, um, he was showing like not great signs in training, never did the styles that we needed, didn't have all the other things. But then the Monday after training, I guess he just was listening to what I said and wasn't making any comments like the other ones were. And the Monday after training, he had everything done, like 2511, 400. It was like I was in the like flip full time meeting and I was like, wait, that's your calendar? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, and that's like literally 20 fact finders on? He's like, yeah, that's what you like. You told me I need to have 40 facts in my first month. I was like, I didn't know you'd listen. It doesn't okay, happen cool. very often. Like, I was oh my like, gosh. uh-huh. I was yeah. like, yes, I didn't tell you that, but okay, perfect. So that was like my biggest, like, oh my God, there is hope. Even if training doesn't go fabulously, like they might still be listening. And anyway, he's actually been really motivating all the other reps. All the other reps now are like, oh, his name's going to be on the top of the leaderboard again. I got to do more than this this time. I'm like, I can tell you where he's at if it's motivating you. <laughs> we can we can pull his stats up if you like them. See, you never know. Sometimes the ones that we think are never going to make it surprise us. All right, let's wrap up with one last question. Would love to hear, um, since you've been such a dedicated, avid listener, which we thank you for and are so grateful <laughs> for, you. what is your favorite podcast episode and why? 
Honestly, my favorite one, and I don't know if this was a very early one for you guys, but it was the five steps to an effective activity coaching meeting. I am someone who really clearly like wants to <laughs> practice a lot and really dive deep into it. But I literally listen to this podcast like every other meeting. I would have activity coaching meeting, listen to this again, activity coaching meeting, listen to it again. So that's my top listen to podcast because it just helped so much to actually hear you guys really role playing it and actually saying like, okay, thinking of this meeting that I just was in, did I have those components as part of it? So that was honestly part of major part of my training. Love it. Awesome. Sabina, any last questions for Madison Super. before we wrap up? No, this has been so much fun. You're right. Thank Your you energy so is just like pouring through here. So I love it. <laughs> Thank you. Well, thank you so much for being our first official um, coach in our coaches spotlight. And um, we look forward to having you back at some point and hope you had fun. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I will be listening to all the podcasts after this too. Awesome. All right. Thank you listeners. We look forward to having you back next time. Thanks for joining us today for Activity Coaching Conversations with Heather and Sabina. If you found value in this conversation, please like, share, and leave a review in your favorite podcast app. And to learn more about our activity coaching clinics and how to hone your skills, visit heatherpriceconsulting.com. Link is in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. Keep learning and growing.